0: Sits and sieves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the Guard. This is episode 188 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, and was recorded on Friday, October 6th, and made available for download Tuesday, October 10th, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Ostrung. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. And in the audio booth this week is
1: Henry. So, what do we have in store this week, Tony. In this week's Squawk Box, something a little different, although we're sure you'll recognize the voice. Next, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover avocados, turrets, and the X-1 for Star Citizen. And we're missing everything that has an X in it in Elite Dangerous. Finally, we tune into the
0: feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. of you boys, need a carrier
2: around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Cryptor, 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 this is Jeff saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. This Squawk departs a bit from our usual subject matter because we're still discussing video games. But we're focusing today on voice actors. Long-time listeners may remember that about a year ago, video game voice actors who belonged to the SAG-AFTRA organization went on strike. They cited issues such as not getting paid bonuses based on the performances of the games, something common for similar work in movies, not being given information about the characters they portrayed prior to recording, not being told what game they are providing voices for, not being provided with stunt doubles for performance capture work, and being forced to do multiple long recording sessions that damaged their voices. The sticking point was a payment based on game sales. They couldn't reach an agreement with major game companies, so the actors had been on strike since October of last year. If you didn't figure it out... From the demands listed above, this also includes performance capture actors as well as people only providing voices. Fortunately for the quality of the video games everywhere, the organization and the game companies reached an agreement at the end of September. All of Seg After's demands were met except for payments based on game sales. Instead, actors would be paid an escalating bonus based on how many recording sessions they were required to do. It's difficult to tell what impact the strike has had or will have down the road. Only one major title was publicly impacted. The main character of the game, Life is Strange, Before the Storm, had a different voice actor than the game's main title. Because the strike only affected actor's ability to work with 11 companies, albeit big ones like Activision and EA, and because the video game's development cycles can last multiple years and much work can be done without having the voice or performance capture, it may be that we players won't see any real impact from this. However, it is nice to know that voices we're hearing are being paid well and fairly for the good work they do.
1: I'm kind of curious about this because uh, our other game that we cover at our sister production, Priority One, they had LeVar Burton on Star Trek Online in the last month, and they they released uh, one of his episodes, it was in the beginning of September, I think.
3: Yeah, and they're definitely like Sag only. Yeah, no, yeah, yes. Definitely. Yeah,
0: but uh, yeah, that's the thing where it's it's hard to tell what was actually impacted because the strike wasn't universal. Oh. It only focused on 11 game companies. I mean, like it's the 11 game companies are big ones, but I don't know that all of them would have been on the list. So, oh. it wasn't like Voice actors associated with SAG-AFTRA weren't doing voice acting for anyone at all. It's just that they weren't doing it for these particular eleven companies. So it's very possible that Cryptic wasn't included in the strike in the first place.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad they got a deal, but I'm kind of disappointed that they're not going to get tied to sales because I'll tell you as a game player, when the voice acting is on, it it it, it bring, it's it's immersive. I mean, it helps you bring helps bring you into the world. You know, even with Elite Dangerous, when they it's all tinny and it's got the crackly radio thing, you know, it, it's it's really cool to meet those those ships in deep space and hear those old logs. I mean, you can read them on the screen, but a well-acted voice really brings it to life. So, I mean, I, I think that it is a factor in how well games do. And it's too bad they can't be compensated for. it.
0: I've got the list of video game companies that were affected. So it's Electronic Arts, WB Games... Disney Character Voices, Activision, Blind Light, Core of Discovery Films, Formosa Interactive, Insomniac Games, Interactive Associates, Take-Two Interactive Software, and VoiceWorks Productions. Uh, yeah, so okay. yeah, Cryptic was not on the list. Cryptic, yeah,
1: okay. So yeah, so either they weren't targeted or they, they basically said, sure, we'll go along with your with your contract suggestions. Suggested. Yeah,
0: apparently sag after was doing different negotiations with games that had budgets of like under $250,000.
2: I mentioned this before the show, but uh, Paul, our, our... Voice Packs guy? Yeah, the more than one-time guest on this show just released new Voice Packs uh, with Singularity, including William Shatner updates and Brent Spiner So those were just released. So I don't think he had any problem with voice actors.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's not a he's not a union shop. He's just a a, a single user, just a single businessman. So I mean, and and I imagine his his recording environment and recording demands are minimal as compared to you know they make you scream into the microphone because you've been shot, or they're making you shout commands over a loud battlefield, and so and then you do that over and over again for eight hours. That physically demanding work and if you make your living off your voice that can wreck you for the next couple three days as you recover that so I mean that's the sort of stuff that they were trying to uh, avoid prevent uh, and I think that, that I mean, I'm glad they got those things conceded but it's, it's just too bad they're not going to get the royalties and the bonuses for good
2: sales. Read, seen or heard something that you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com but for now let's see what news has hit the flight deck.
3: Get with me.
0: This will be very old news by the time this episode airs, but as of the time of this recording, the first segment of Star Citizen 3.0 has been released to the Avocati. This occurred on October 5th. The latest burndown showed that the one remaining issue from the previous report briefly ballooned into four before they eliminated all of them and got a go for release. A reminder,
1: due to the way CIG is structuring the release now, what the Avocati have is not the so-called feature-complete 3.0. There are elements CIG plans to include in 3.0 that they will now work on and add to the Avocati build later. According to the burndown report, the Avocati are currently focusing on flying different ships, landing on planets, and the ship insurance system for destroyed ships should be in effect. The shopping interface is the next target for developers.
2: The feature of ATV this week concerned turrets. As we covered some time ago, turret gameplay in Star Citizen is one of the most complained about features. There are some graphical issues brought up, but most of the complaints boil down to the fact that no one can seem to hit anything. If you've got two ships flying predictable courses past each other, the turrets can manage a broadside. But if the enemies or the ship itself is maneuvering much, it's basically a lost cause.
0: CIG is hoping to fix some of these issues in 3.0. One of the major things they did was improve the responsiveness of the turret's rotations. The characters only have a limited free look range now, past which the turret will start turning instead. Also, the turret's speed of rotation changes depending on how far to one side the character is looking. They also improved the decoupling between the turret and its ship, So if the ship is moving and turning, the turret will maintain its field of view as much as possible.
1: Also, the turrets now orient universally. Whenever a player gets into a turret, it will start out facing whatever direction the player was facing when they entered. So if you've gotten the turret while looking at the back of the ship, the turret will face the back of the ship. But, once you're in, the turret will automatically reorient to face the front of the ship.
2: Arguably, the most significant change made was that the turrets with more than one weapon will now have an alternate fire mode. The concept should be familiar to anyone who's played an X-Wing game. Instead of being locked into a firing all at once, the turret operators have the option of uncoupling the guns. So two weapons will alternate fire rather than link it. Turrets with four guns will fire them in sequence. This greatly improves the fire rate of weapons, making it more likely that a shot will hit a target. Since a sale started last week,
0: this week we have a Q&A. It could be said that this is one of the least informative Q&As that has been released for a concept ship. There are at least three examples of a question answering or dealing with the same information as another question on the list, and there are two questions that are almost 100% frivolous and have nothing to do with the ship at all.
1: As for what we're told, in the current range of the open canopy space bikes, the X-1 sits in the middle. The Dragonfly is more rugged and has more room, but is slower, and the Nox is faster and more fragile. That said, they also indicated that a flat-out racing contest between a Nox Q and a X1 Velocity would be close, with the Nox gaining the edge due to maneuverability rather than flat-out speed.
2: The Velocity brings up an issue of variance, the most asked-about topic. The X1 Force variant has an extra shield generator and a repeating laser as opposed to the base model's laser cannon. However, despite being marketed as useful in exploration, it will not be able to drop marker beacons. The velocity is simply lighter and faster than the base model. And one important note, however, is that each variant actually has a different hull profile. So, if you buy an X1, that's an X1 you'll have. You can't up or downgrade it from one variant to another. When asked why anyone would bother buying an X1 given that restriction, the response was that the base model is cheaper. Finally, in answer to Ken Shadow's question from last week, Parts of the X-1 fuselage retract to allow pilots entry. There is an animation of it in the actual X-1 document if you want to see it. That was pretty neat how the side slides open.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, for all the various problems that you can lay at uh, the hands of CIG, their entry and exit animations for their ships are not slacking most of the time.
3: I have to confess, though, when the guy first got in, I, I thought he was going to face the other direction. And I said, oh, wait, that ship goes that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a very
1: odd profile. Um, it, it, it's a phaser. It's a Star Trek phaser. Just think Star yeah, Trek phaser when you look at yeah, it. It's going to be fine.
3: But it is cool. I do like the door on it. I think that's neat. I thought that was cool. You're absolutely right about the entry and exit animations. The, t- the entry and exit of the turret is interesting. Why does it need to be aligned to the direction the player is facing and then turn
1: around? For the chair.
0: Yeah, the, the issue, I think, that they're trying to address is in most of the ships the way you get into the turret is not necessarily facing the front of the ship so what would happen before is the chair and everything would rotate on your way up so by the time you got up there you would be facing in whatever direction the turret was but also the turret was just left in the last position as it was whenever the person got out of it before. So first of all, it caused some issues with assets colliding, trying to rotate and reorient on its way up the different tubes to get into the turret. And second, by the time you got up there, you had no idea where you were looking. Because if you got in and you were facing the back of the ship, by the time you got into the turret, you could end up facing, like, halfway between port and completely forward and it just was apparently disorienting it was probably a matter of like a few seconds to try to figure out where you're oriented but i can see why this way it might make it a little easier although i think it was mostly to make it easier on the animation rather than because people were getting horribly disoriented that makes sense
2: So what do you think of the non upgrade downgrade of the of these bikes? I mean, I I can imagine a a garage full of these things, especially if you uh, if you're always buying one to to, uh, upgrade it and then uh, you can't dump it because what you paid for it was far below the market value of what you originally bought for.
3: Yeah, I don't see the point.
0: It just makes us buy more ships. I don't know that these are going to be terribly popular, given that, because I think initially when they were sold, the dragonflies were cheaper. And they're, based on the information we currently have, they're the most versatile for combat use, because they can carry an extra person. So if you want to do, like, a swarmed boarding action, you can get double the number of people. And also, they're able to take the most punishment, They aren't as fast, but that seems to only matter in terms of racing. And they already said the Knox is better at that. So, yeah, I don't know if they didn't kill their own marketing efforts with this one by saying that you can't switch from one variant to another. At the very least, they probably killed their chances of selling very many base models.
2: Well, that could be their intention, too.
3: I don't see that as being their intention. I think they want people to get the base model, and then when they want a better version, because they like the look of it, they have to buy another version.
1: That's just what it feels like to me. It's marketing, I think. This week's Star Citizen community question. Are you one of the lucky few frolicking around in the new build? Do you think CIG has the right idea about the turrets? Pick yourself up an X1. Send us answers to these or any other Star Citizen questions. We'll tell you how in a moment.
0: In a shocking twist to the Elite Dangerous Thargoid invasion story, an old enemy has reared its ugly head, the buzz-killing weapons nerf. Commanders who were enjoying the killing power of their shiny new AX missile racks discovered that they are now considerably less effective than before. A Galnet Infiction article blamed the nerf on aliens, quote, adapting, and a newfound resistance to the compound carried by the missiles. Out
1: here in the quote, real world, players are somewhat miffed, with some forum commenters wondering if this is the new normal. The concern is that when the first wave of players will get fully effective weapons and have a great time slaughtering bug invaders, those merely casual players will have to make do with the balanced version of the guns a week later. Balanced in this case meaning terribly ineffective.
2: Our research badgers didn't find any reports of the relative effectiveness of the new AX-3 multi-cannons. Probably because the only research badger on the Elite Dangerous beat these days is busy with his day badgering job. But there will be plenty more chances to find out as the third Aegis initiative is under way and has already passed tier 2.
0: In a brilliant scheduling move coordinated between Frontier and Guard Frequency, we are recording the show mere hours before Frontier Expo 17. This is very exciting because we are just barely missing several awesome announcements regarding the development of the game beyond Patch 2.4. I suppose we can console our listeners with the news that by the time you listen to next week's show, we'll have mature, considered, and fully articulated thoughts regarding the announced plans for your listening pleasure in a stark contrast to our usual content. Hopefully, you'll have tuned into the live stream broadcast to watch the announcements and be up to speed with our brilliant commentary.
1: So, just before uh, the show, my son and I went on a special mission, uh, a guard frequency mission, because we decided we were going to go rescue some escape pods uh, from the Thargoid Menace. And uh, we did. Our first encounter was, uh, there was no Thargoid ship, just a bunch of wrecked ships, So we picked up some damaged escape pods there, went to another instance, found a Thargoid ship there with an escape pod. I distracted it by dumping a meta-alloy. I bought some meta-alloys, so I kind of flew near it and then popped the meta-alloy out the uh, cargo hatch, which seems to placate it a little bit because it sort of ignored me. And then I zoomed in and uh, grabbed the escape pod that was uh, sitting near it. Then we got up close to it to do a scan of it and totally pissed it off. And then we ran like hell. Uh, and got away. And as we were, as we were, uh, I saw, I, it would. It was. It had it had me mass locked. I couldn't low wake out of there, so I had to scramble and pick a nearby system, and we high waked out of there. All my modules were in good shape, but it uh, it had shot through my shields like people had been seeing, and had uh, uh, done some some hull damage. And I got swarmed by the swarmy things, but I kept on seeing sparks coming out of my ship. I was like, I was 85 percent hull, and all my modules are 100. percent I'm like, why are, why is my ship sparking? So then we pulled. Then I looked on the outside, did the uh, the, uh, the external view camera, and I'm going to drop this in our uh, local chat here. And uh, this is this is what I saw. My son took these screenshots uh, for me while he was in the uh, multi-crew seat, and that's what happens when you have a run-in with those Thargoid swarmers. It literally rips your hull apart.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. That damage effect. I'm going to put this on the. I have never, here, if I can.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that reported on Reddit or anything. I, I had no idea that's what it did, but that I thought that was freaking cool. It's vis, it's visible damage caused by the the impact of those thargoid probes or whatever those the thargons.
3: Yeah, the damage modeling in Elite Dangerous is awesome. I really wish it was persistent when you left the system, because once you uh, get is, out, look,
1: it is now. There wait, it is, yeah,
3: like that's different than the damage you see when you're just yeah. uh, getting like lasers. Uh, like laser yeah. burns on your hull—that's neat. So that's a new yeah, damage the, effect, I guess.
1: Yeah, the the metal's twisted and yanked up; it's all curled and, and weird and, and broken. Yeah. And this is this is this is two high wakes later, so it's persistent between instances. Wow, and that's I cool. And I just and I logged out without fixing it, and I'll I'll bet you I'll bet you twenty bucks when I log back in, it'll still be screwed up like that.
3: That'll be cool. Hopefully, there is a way to fix it. I got attacked by swimmers once, and I just got eaten and killed. So. I didn't uh, like my asp was gone, um, <laughs> completely <laughs> yeah, he, gone.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think uh, I got shot up pretty good. I think, well, not not real good. I, uh, I, my my anaconda is built for uh, range mostly. It gets about thirty five, but it's also a combat build. It, I mean, I'm 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 happy to take this ship into light combat. So it's got decent shields and uh, an assortment of weapons. I didn't take any shots at the at the thargoid thanks to the aforementioned weapons nerf. Because uh, I didn't want to die, but uh, but it, this I was able to um, boost away a little bit and high awake out. Uh, but th- I thought this this damage effect was just pretty awesome, and I didn't I didn't know it existed until I saw sparks on my my windshield. I'm like, what the hell is sparking? I mean, I'm not under attack anymore. I high waked out of there. Yeah, that's and, really cool. Uh, yeah, so that was a, that was a nice little Easter egg surprise. I thought uh, that I hadn't seen in I hadn't seen in the patch notes. Uh, I hadn't seen anybody on Reddit commenting on it, but uh, yeah, this is it's pretty it is pretty slick.
3: I'd like to uh, double back real quick to our report, if I could. You mentioned in your segment, Tony, um, that the real world players were miffed, and that some people were worried that existing players would have these awesome weapons, and new players would have the balanced version. Everybody's going to have the same version, right? Like well,
0: the- yeah. the The crux of the complaint is that. If you were paying attention and jumped on in the first days and had all the resources and money so you could grab one of the new guns, you got it at its full power version so you could just hop around nuking Thargoids. But if you're somebody with a day job and a family and you finally got to it like this weekend or last weekend and now you're like, okay, now I'm going to sit down, the only version of the guns you ever know are the nerfed ones where killing Thargoids is a lot more problematic or a lot more effort intensive so even though everybody's now on the level playing field the point is that they never got to use the high powered versions
3: that's like par for the course for Elite though like every pilot doesn't get to experience everything so those pilots coming in now that have day jobs that haven't got the weapons I didn't go get them I, I haven't got them yet um, you know we might have missed something but the story is that the the bugs have defended against it so it's in universe and I get that it is a nerf but it, because it's across the board really you know you should have been there earlier if you wanted to use those because they did get nerfed. That, that's I, not a
2: fair argument whatsoever. It, that, you don't think so? I hate it when people say you're a casual player so yeah you should have been there. Well you know what Real, it, it's a game.
3: Is it any different than the people that don't get to be the ones to discover crashes and things like that? That's my point for Elite specifically. You know, in in like certain MMOs where things get changed and, you know, you get the the shiny and it's not as good as it used to be. I totally understand what you're saying, but in Elite, everybody doesn't participate in the entire story. Everybody's story is not the same main character story like it is in every other MMO. You're your own unique person on your own missions and You know, if you're not flying all night like some pilots, you just didn't get out there. You know, you just
1: didn't get there to it. Um, I think in elite it works. Yeah, well, I think there's it's it's twofold. One, the one version is what Ostron was saying is that you know it's the the day job thing versus uh, you know somebody's flying all the time. I think the second part of it is is maybe just the wording they chose because the it, it implied that the. The weapons' resistance, or the the Thargoids' resistance to the weapon, should have gone up, rather than Frontier messing with the characteristics of the weapon itself. And, you know, the Thargoid in, in you know the Thargoid sort of you know data base entry didn't change. Frontier went in and messed around with the database entry on the gun, and so it was like it was like it's the in fiction explanation did not jibe with the. The monkeying around in the of, of the programming, they I think people would have preferred it if they had if they had uh, buffed the thargoids and left the weapon the same. I think people for some reason people I think people are are are, are sort of focusing on the in-game explanation as supposing as, as supposed to be mirroring what they're doing with the database. That, but those I do have the same be, effect. You know? I, right, it has the same effect, but the implication then is that. They can do it again with other weapons. That's the thing. It's like they've got the Thargoid uh, ship construct database entry right where they want it, and what they're going to do is they're going to mess with the stuff that you've earned, rather than mess with their perfect uh, whatever uh, 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 in-game asset. They're going, you know, you've gone out and earned the money in-game credits for the for the for the gun. That is fair game to them. You know, you're messing with something that's mine. Uh, rather than messing with the model, which is what your in-game, you know, fiction characters are saying is what's happening. The Thargoids are stronger now. Well, no, the Thargoids are the same. You just mess with my guns. I, I think. I think maybe they could, if, if people would feel less. It, it's again, it's an immersion thing. It's a feeling thing. I mean, people might feel better if they'd done it the other
0: way. Is there any other use for these weapons? Like are they effective on non-thargoid targets? Yeah,
1: I believe they are effective, they're probably just not
0: optimal. Right. So the so that's that's probably ties into your argument of that if they were changing the thargoids to be more resistant, that would be fine because the guns would still perform the same, but they're changing the gun performance, which means like okay, so the thargoids became more resistant, fine why are the, my guns suddenly doing less damage to terrestrial shield systems, too? Like, did the shields learn something from the Thargoids, or what? Yeah, like, that's a
1: good point, I can't too. say I can't say 100% that that's it, because I saw a thing. Hang on, let me see if I can re-find it real quick. Uh, there was a... Someone had an Imgur image up that had comparisons uh, of the different weapons, like a regular missile rack to a Xeno missile rack, and... The, the, the stats were all compa- uh, or, or, were comparable, but the damage type was uh, explosive on the regular missiles and anti-xeno on the uh, other ones. So it may be that an anti-xeno hit does not do as much damage to a, a human ship as it does to a Thargoid ship. So I, I imagine that's the case, but I don't know for sure. It should still damage human ships because something's hitting you at a certain speed and smacking you around a little bit. But if it's the acidy, fungus payload, maybe it won't hurt a human ship quite as much. Um, but I think I think maybe it, um, it it it's there's some there's some a disconnect between what the players are hearing from the in-game characters and what Frontier did on the back end. And hopefully, this was a one-time adjustment where they thought, well, oh, the time to kill." is a lot lower than we expected it to be and no one should ever be able to solo a Thargoid so we're going to just do this one time and then uh, this is the new baseline for anti-Thargoid weapons and go from there
0: That can get dangerous though in the same vein as the, the initial point with the concern about the casual players because I've seen other games where they start tweaking the balance of items and gameplay based on like, the top 1% of players. And that can really screw over the casual people because it's like, okay, so if you've got somebody that's playing 70 hours a week and sinks real money into it and spends all of their time optimizing their build and then you're tweaking the game to make it harder for that player, you've now made it impossible for the people who spend less than half that amount of time. Yeah.
1: But that goes right back to Henry's point, though. This is Elite. I mean, it says it right on the box. Well, no. yeah, uh, and if,
0: if the rest <laughs> of the gameplay is like that, that's fine, it can work. I mean, games like Dark Souls, for example, are notorious for that kind of gameplay mechanic where, yes, this is only going to be easy if you obsess about it, but... Mm-hmm. If that hasn't been the pattern with Elite gameplay to this point, and now suddenly it is, that's going to upset a large number of people.
1: Well, we'll have to see. I mean, they're gonna, it appears like the, quote, emergent content that we're going to be seeing, the iterative content past 2.4 is... A weekly community goal and a new gun. That seems to be like what they're going to be doing. Hopefully they've got some tricks up their sleeve also with maybe some new Thargoid encounters beyond just the one type that we have now. I hope. I hope it's not we don't get six months of the gun of the week. Um, I'm hopeful. Uh, If that's what it is, I'm going to be a little disappointed uh, that that's how they've chosen to do it. But... You know we're still early in the patch uh, life, so we'll we'll see if that if that improves, and we'll find out if they can do, do more nerfs because we've got you know the new multi cannon just came out, and then we're on our way to number three here. So,
0: so we have no idea how effective the multi cannon is at this point.
1: I I don't I haven't I got the missiles and I but I've never pulled the trigger on one of them, and I haven't yet gone to lo- try to locate one of the multi cannons uh, yet. So,
0: but the general feeling is that the whole this is how you defeat a thargoid soloing is no longer viable.
1: That's, yeah, I, I think that that's my understanding, and I think that's their intention. I think their intention is if you want to beat a Thargoid, you better have a fleet with you, and you better come correct. I think that was I think that was their design goal probably from the beginning, and the fact that you could do it meant they had to go in and change something.
3: There's other gameplay there besides defeating them, too, so solo players can still do a lot of oh, things yeah. with the
1: Thargoid oh. content, just because you can't take one down. My son and I had a great time playing Rescue the Escape Pod. I mean that was a lot of fun that was 30 minutes of really of a lot of like you know holy crap I gotta get in closer to scan him wait hold still wait I mean, you know okay I'm dropping the meta alloy where is he at is he, is he behind me yeah he's he's tractor beaming this other thing okay all right I'm gonna move around I mean we had a lot we had a good time in we had a good time in multi-crew for God's sake <laughs> I mean that's how much fun it was I mean I'm, I'm not I'm the weapons thing I think is is kind of a sideshow because there is more you can do with those encounters you just have to be creative about it. But most people are in it to try to blow up a, a bug ship, let's, let's be frank. Um, but, I mean, and, and this is this goes with our sort of, you know, mantra and our our, our our flavor, the guard frequency idea of being a search and rescue group. We went after an escape pod and we, we brought him home. And that, and that was fun for us. Uh, but it's all in the kind of gameplay you want to have.
3: And you weren't required to sell that escape pod into slavery because uh, hey, elite has you know, changed. So that's great. That's right. Although you guys that's are right. Imperials, so did you? Or did you free them? Because you have the option. No,
1: uh, I haven't. Again, I haven't. I just landed the ship, so I didn't repair anything I didn't sell anything out of my cargo. But I have nothing. But as uh, I have been in the past, a, a follower of the uh, of the blue haired anime space princess who is against <laughs> slavery, Fantastic. I have her shields and everything. So I, as I'm one of those uh, anti slavery imperials with my with my big cutter. Uh, that's that's me.
0: Although you have no problem leaving him lounging in your cargo hold for infinite amounts of time.
1: You know, in my head, he's in suspended animation. It doesn't really (laughs) matter. He's he's, he's lucky he's not in some sort of Thargoid lab at this point, okay? Count your blessings, sir. Count your blessings.
3: So they're in suspended animation. I thought they were just kind of in there with, like, a juice box waiting. Just,
1: like, kind of hanging
3: out. Really, I don't know. (laughs) And honestly, at this point, I just don't care.
1: Uh, He's he's my guest for as long as uh, I deem him
0: uh, uh, Guestworthy. Girl from Eponema on Infinite Loop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if
1: you haven't been driven mad by the
2: prospect of alien experimentation,
1: Kenny G will drive you mad,
2: sir. <laughs> Our community question for Elite Dangerous this week is Does the in game explanation of the weapon's nerve make the medicine go down? Or is that spoonful of sugar just empty calories? Tell us what you think of the new announcements from Expo 17. Your opinions will be just as valid as ours. But now it's time for News We Didn't Use. The CIG monthly report for September is out, detailing all the work various teams have been putting in for 3.0. Much of the information was discussed in ATV or Gamescom reveals, but if you need a summary, go take a peek. Get your
1: Beluga paint pack. They're vibrant. They're only $4. They're in the Frontier Store now.
3: Speaking of Beluga, that's an elite. Uh, they, they, they I don't know if you guys saw the uh, game dev happy hour today where they were making the space whales for star citizen um also news we didn't <laughs> cover that was pretty cool do you guys i don't know if anybody got a chance to watch it i but, didn't
0: uh, i was trying to look for information about it what what was the space whale they were making they they were talking a little bit about the lore see
3: every ever since they started doing the uh, happy hour game dev people have been asking for the space whales so i was really excited for this one and they, they the tools watching them work with the tools it's really cool to watch them because you know that all this stuff was made for star citizen so When you see them building something uh, with as much detail and texture as the Space Whale, you get a kind of feel for the work that they've put into the tools, and that's cool, because the content's coming, but you get a feel for what they have built, um, and that's cool. What they did was they they even talked about the lore of the Space Whale, so these things, they live in these uh, gas giants, in the clouds of the gas giants, and then they can launch themselves out of the atmosphere, and then fly around the system a little bit, and then return to their gas giant. Um, similar to the way whales dive, these whales go spaceborn, holding their breath, and then come back in. I thought that was really cool to see the artists kicking around the lore while they were working, being that immersed in what they're doing. I thought that was really neat.
2: My only question about that is that, do they turn into a, a bowl of petunias before they hit the
3: ground? Hadn't heard of anything like that.
1: I, I think they have to be near the infinite improbability drive, and I'm sure that's in patch 3.2. Okay.
2: Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay
0: buddy, what's on your mind? We're all So
1: let's just... be friendly! Some say he vacations in the Antarctic, and that he has a thing for looking like research station members. But all he knows is he's called the Shiv and he helped put together this week's feedback.
0: A recap of last week's community questions. For Star Citizen, did you correctly guess when 3.0 would actually be released to the Evocati? Anything pique your interest about the town hall?
2: And for Elite Dangerous, how many rebuy screens have you seen since the release of 2.4? Or are you just waiting for the cannon fodder to get worn down a bit before you step in?
1: Rambos writes in and says, I don't bother with Evocati since I'm not in it. When Evocati gets it, it's another month of wait before the live push. No hurry.
3: Rent-A-Spoon writes in, Just wanted to say electric cars do pollute, just at the power plant instead of the exhaust pipe. I'm not saying normal car is better, but current electric cars when you take a car's life from being built to the end isn't much better. Also can't wait for the failsafe to kick in and watch a car slowly drop vertically onto someone's house or into a river. Also, as a Wave 1 PTU tester since Evocati have come along, most PTUs are just server loads because things are now too polished. Lando said that the Evocati get given things to focus on. That's exactly what the PTU has lost. Yes, I'm salty, but it's annoying for people like myself that plays a game a minimum of three hours a week, get pushed behind content creators, and I'm lumped with people that are in the PTU because they put More money than others, even though CIG keeps saying how much you put into the game doesn't matter, clearly it does. I love our feedback, but I need a period once in a while in a paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody, that was crazy. Keep keep going, he addresses that. I guessed Evocati would be 8th October, so I wasn't far off. Great show, everyone. Follow-up from him shortly after... Erg, I just reread that. It's late. Sorry, it's a mess. Anchovies and pineapple pizza is delicious. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I forgive you for the uh, lack Pineapples of sentence do not structure.
2: Pineapples belong in a pizza. <laughs> they, be- they belong in a fruit salad.
1: Pineapple on pizza is Okay. All uh, right, oh. pizza's all right.
0: So in response to that feedback, because I believe Kin Shadow would want this mentioned, mm. um, as far as we've been told, selection and inclusion in Avocati mostly has to do with activity on the bug reporting, like reporting bugs, following up on them and working with the developers while it's in PTU or something like that. It's not supposed to have anything to do with how much you have contributed to the game. Now, that said. Or or being a streamer
1: or anything like that. It's not supposed to be
0: that way. Now, they did mention this time around that the first people into the PTU for 3.0 are going to be the concierge backers who are. Chosen or the concierge title is granted based on how much money you've given to the game. So that may be a valid point. Although Rentispoon said he's already a wave one PTU tester. So I don't know if he got shoved out because the concierge people are in or if he's upset because he was a Wave 1 PTU tester based on his contributions and his time put in, and now there are a bunch of other people who are being given his same status based on simply spending more money, which I suppose that could be a valid complaint. It depends on uh, how you view the PTU Wave assignments.
2: Well, apparently I'm a black card holder, even though I haven't seen a black card and uh, I haven't gotten any notice about any upcoming things that I'm involved with. Usually I do. So I don't know how accurate that is.
0: Well, it was, it was announced by one of the developers, but they aren't in PTU yet. It's only the Evocati. So theoretically, when it pushes over to PTU, you should be getting an email but that's still, nobody knows well, exactly
2: when that's going to happen. I, I will let the guard frequency know if that if that comes to pass.
0: In general feedback, Sean Newboy wrote in and said, Love the show, everyone.
1: And we hear from Rebel, who writes in quite a bit, so I'm going to uh, paraphrase as we go here. So Rebel, if you want to get mad at anyone, your hate mail can be directed towards... Ostron who will it to me. Okay, so uh, Rebel writes in and says, So, the air traffic controller is another feature that seems to follow Chris Roberts' obsession with the new Shinies. It's another thing that's kept from the open development until now, and that's one of the reasons people get frustrated with the perceived lack of progress in the game. It's a laundry list as long as you're on stretch goals that have no progress, but a vast amount of resources somehow gets expended on these random features that come out of nowhere. For example, why can't you just have the same air traffic controller dealing with all the players at once? Kind of like Elite Dangerous. Are these stations so lacking in security that any potentially Joe can just saunter into the control room and watch the crew talk to the ships coming into land? Surely critical station functions like control rooms will be locked behind massive doors, and station security can respond with less than friendly uh, uh, intentions to trespassers. Uh, not to say that these things are the only things laying 3.0, but they could have been announced to the community a while ago, as they only have a limited time on ATB to showcase every feature. But each time we see these previously unannounced features, it means it's another week where we don't get updates on the stuff we're actually expecting them to work on. This in turn leads to criticism that they're making no progress on version X, and that we'll never see the light of day, or it will, but only in a cut-down state, because while it's full of new content, it's different content than what we expected. Another good example is the number of moons. Criticism is that 75% of the announced celestial bodies, but instead 12 solid objects that can only be crashed into. Now we're getting four full procedurally generated bodies that we can land, interact, and drive on instead. Yes, it's a lot more. It's different content, but that doesn't stop the detractors from pointing to the endless missed release windows that have been announced and the missing features and content. Thanks again for what you guys do and keep up the good work. And of course, where the f*** is Squadron 42? Audio note: Go ahead and bleep me on that one, obviously.
3: <laughs> when you said squadron forty yeah. two,
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, squadron forty two. Yeah, that,
1: that's the part that's that the part, needs that's to that's be the problem. <laughs> 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 No, I, I, I think this is this is perfectly valid criticism. I mean, it's the it, it, the systems that people are expecting as part of the core gameplay loops, I think, are still missing in action, and the the features are neat the sliding door in the x1 is nifty but that's not that's not the progress that a lot of backers were hoping to see and it's you know, it's good that you've got your mission giving systems but that's plumbing that's stuff you just expect to work anyway uh, and if you have a neat immersion filled way of getting it done hey sweet bonus points but if they're not giving missions to you to do in a sufficient variety and quantity there's no point
0: Mostly on the variety yeah. end, because as of as many people have pointed out, there's no indication that any other professions that aren't combat-related or sort of info-runner, they're not seeing the light of day yeah. in 3.0. Sure,
1: they, they could all be fully developed behind closed doors, but we haven't seen hide or hair room on any of the ATVs. We don't get uh, updates from the studios on what's going on with them. So radio silence, we don't know.
2: Uh, I think the thing that that uh, is frustrating a lot of gamers, and... And you know, bleep out what you want about Squadron 42. It's just that we're not getting any any mentions of Squadron 42 uh, from the from the sources. And I think that's really really frustrating, as it was supposed to be out last Christmas, and now it's, we're coming up on Christmas time this year. And you know, it's just. I think they can mollify a lot of the stuff that's going on and probably just take their laissez-faire attitude with uh, the Persistent Universe if they got Squadron 42's first three missions out. You know, it'd be a lot less angst on everything.
3: Maurice Van Cries writes, Thanks for the random call out in the show a few weeks back. I'm slow to catch up as I listen to them on hikes.
0: Well, as long as you're listening.
2: (laughs) Yeah, go take a hike, man. Go take a hike. That's great. (laughs) No new Patreons this week, sadly. The random winner this week is Galen Rick Loperin And this week's team a question Are you one of the lucky few frolicking around in the new build? Do you think CIG has the right idea about turrets? Pick yourself up an X1?
1: Does the in game explanation of the weapons nerf make the medicine go down, or is that spoonful of sugar just empty calories? Tell us what you think of the new announcements from Expo 17. Your opinions will be just as valid as ours.
2: Drop us an email, a tweet, a comment, or on our show post, which you will find on our website and over on our Facebook page. So, how
0: is the show? Worth being paid fairly for, or will you do anything to get our voices off the air? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave us a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com?
2: Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak.
1: You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind.
0: And that brings us to the end of Episode 188 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 189 on October 17th, so be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com.
2: But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at FeedStartGuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come out and join us at 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash
1: Guard Freak. Do you like what we do? You want to help us make the best damn Space Sim podcast ever? Drop an email to squawk at GuardFrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a buck twenty five a week, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live show, some Guard Frequency goodies, and an invitation to our private Elite Dangerous Flight Group. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and hope you consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we
2: get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. You can find us over at discord.guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMOs, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd
0: like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer, Jace Pentad, and of course our audio engineer, Mikey. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Base. And a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust.
1: 10, Two three three zero. 1, Squawk seven seven
0: zero zero. Stay on the ground. This is Ostron Flight Deck Sync One. This is
2: Jeff
1: Flight Deck Sync Two. This is Tony. Your faith was uh, rewarded, Ostron Sync Three.
3: This is Henry Sync Floor.
1: Floor.
0: Floor. floor. Sync Floor.
3: floor. And did we forget to say Flight Deck every everybody this time? No, everybody except you.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Flight Deck in three, two.